Welcome to the Legion Outriders podcast, a member of the Radio Free Tattooing Network. You must unlearn what you have learned. Your source for the latest Legion news, opinion, and analysis. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. John Archiquette. Will somebody get this big walking carpet out of my way? Matt Turner. I'm not afraid. And Joshua Gray. You will be. What's going on, Outriders? You're listening to the Legion Outrider podcast with John, Josh, and Matt coming to you live from Power Nine Games in Las Vegas, Nevada. What's going on, guys? Hello, gents. Hey. We're back again with another great episode talking about some Star Wars Legion. And uh, we got a lot of other things to go over, too, this week because, you know, we recorded a little bit early last week. Uh, some of us, you know, had to go out of town, you know, do whatever. Terrible prioritization, but whatever. How was moose season up in Canada, by the way? Oh, it was uh, it was about the loveliest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Did you find yourself a nice filly? I was tempted to not. That's not Canadian. Come back, but yeah, filly. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I only got one one voice. Sorry. And let's be clear on one thing: nobody has to go to Canada. Oh no. Okay. You didn't have to go out of town. No, you get you to go to, to Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For for anybody listening <laughs> up there, like honestly, I have to say the Canadian Rockies were the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and it was amazing. So. Did you bring back my Kinder Eggs? Next to the Solo movie. Uh, you think I wanted to try to <laughs> smuggle Kinder Eggs back yes! for you, Josh? Uh, in your prison wallet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of Kinder Eggs you don't want. Uh, yeah. He'd probably still eat them. But I'm happy to be back here with that you guys way. and uh, you know talking some Legion. Well, we're happy you're back. <laughs> we're, we're glad to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I missed out on a, a few of the, the big things going on last Thursday because we had the Fleet Troopers and Leia both officially drop mm-hmm. for those of us who don't live in Italy and have, you know, special release dates. <sighs> so uh, those were actually out, and, you know, I had to wait till I got back to pick up my copies. So they're sadly sitting unassembled, unpainted, and unloved yet. You know, I, I've, I've had my Leia and Fleet Troopers. Leia's assembled, but the Fleet Troopers are still in the box. I'm sure I'll get to them <laughs> eventually. Yeah, I was going to say, don't feel bad, dude, because my Snow Troopers are still sitting in the box. Oh, man. And I'm ashamed this to admit is, that. This, this is like, I feel shame. That's pretty bad. Yeah. That is really bad. But, well, we've been man. doing Escalation games the last couple of weeks, so I haven't had the need to go put together the, uh, extra troops. But. Look, I'm not going to I'm not gonna judge you for not putting your Fleet Troopers together yet. That's okay. I You are full of judgment. I'm full. Well, I, I, hey, I, I hold myself in contempt. Okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't need your contempt. I'm already full of yeah. He's not John. Just already. take it easy on him. Can't yeah, you yeah, see? Yeah, yeah. He it's, is. It's the point. Like, I'm, I'm contemplating going on the IMDb page for Game of Thrones, finding <laughs> the name of the management company that hires the actress that played the. Uh, the Septa that followed behind Cersei. Shame. Oh, the shame, yeah. yeah. Shame. And I'm, I'm going to have her follow you around until you assemble your snowtroopers, just telling you, shame, shame. Well, hey, if you can afford tickets over there, you know, I'll go with you to help you track her down. <laughs> and uh, maybe we can see some castles while we're there. Hey, that's a good idea. <laughs> I hear, they, I hear they, they film part of the show in Italy, so you can, you know, pick up the next Legion releases while you're there, too. They probably have Boba Fett yeah, right yeah, yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> Wow. Self, self-loathing and jealousy, yeah. all in the same, all, all these negative... I'm just a little ball of hate. Yeah. <laughs> it's going yeah, to be that kind of show. It's going to be that kind of show. No, no. <laughs> well, we're going to get back to our you know normal Legion discussion this week about uh, you know things that are Legion-related. We'll have some hobby talk, and the other thing that, I guess, isn't really necessarily Legion-related, but Solo came out, and 
we got some we got some solo discussion to have. Not, a little bit. You yeah. know, we're not a movie podcast, just as much we're not a hockey podcast, but we tend to <laughs> we tend to deviate from the main topic every once in yeah. a while. So we're, we're going to be shoving that off to the end. So yeah, so uh, there, there won't be. Any don't worry, you don't have to free. skip ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll give you ample warning to you know earmuffs or you know to just turn it off. Right. <laughs> if you hadn't by that time already. Although oh. if you listen to this podcast, you you should have seen Solo already. And you're an excellent right. human being. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and we love you. So uh, first thing, we'll, we'll get to some other Star Wars news here. Um, we got a recent release announcement for the Star Wars Celebration Day coming up. Yeah, uh, they announced this a week or two ago, but uh, just a reminder, tickets are going on sale on the 5th. They announced plans for, I think it's called the Jedi Master Pass, which is basically your VIP badge, over $800. What does my eight hundred dollars buy me oh, this it, year? It gives you a bunch of swag and uh, access to early shopping and some exclusives. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a whole page on this stuff. If you, I'm sure people can go online and Google it real fast. But uh, uh, thinking about going to that because we always have a history, apparently, of going to overcrowded Star Wars themed events. So, <laughs> well, let us In know Chicago, and report yes. back. Yeah, yeah. yeah we'll <laughs> and do let us know how that worked out. Live field report from yeah. uh, Mattbot. Are you are you going to be uh, forking over the eight hundred dollars for the Jedi Master Package? I, so I didn't bring it up. The wife did. So That's since she yes. controls all things purse related, yes, absolutely. I think we we're going to. Well, hey, um, you know what? If she's the one that's giving you the go ahead on it, you know. Yeah, I can I speak know, from experience ahead. there. Let her buy it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, for sure. It's yeah. not my idea. No, so, uh, <laughs> some of the guys at uh, Radio Free Tattooing, John and Sean, they went last time and. 17? Yeah, because it's going to be 19. Uh, and I'm not sure. I think they got the, like, the all-access VIP, so I'll have to ask them to see how their experience was with it. But, uh, yeah, that's coming up. And then uh, there's also a new comic for those people that follow the Marvel comics for Star Wars. Lando comic has landed, and apparently the Lando's landed. And uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be pretty good. And there's actually one going to be for Beckett. Which I think could be real interesting in really? August. So yeah, nice. Mr. Wow. Mr. Woody Harrelson gets his own yeah. comic. Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit more about him coming up. We actually get into the discussion of the movie, but that's cool for the the comic book fans out yeah. there. Um, now, one other thing that with the uh, with the Star Wars talk that we had was, uh, or the excuse me, the Legion talk that we had was, we saw the beginning of the Escalation Leagues going mm-hmm. on. Um, you know, throughout this month, I guess, but this yeah. past week has been yeah, Operation our beginning one, of so. the uh, the Escalation Leagues. So how have you uh, seen those play out so far? Oh, it's been good. We uh, streamed a couple of them um, last Friday. So we did a 350 and a 500, and I played I played a couple of, I think, two of each of those, mm-hmm. a 350 and 500, having fun with layout and on the table. And uh, it's been really good. It's a very uh, fun format to kind of shake it up from uh, the 800 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play a little bit faster, not, not terribly faster than a full game, so it's not quite like the time savings I thought it would be, but uh, still a lot of fun. Yeah, Matt worked me. Oh, did he? I, yeah, yeah, he did. I, did I, it? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was really close, it was, though. It was, it was close, super close. But I, uh, I ran afoul, and I tried to maneuver around him, and I ran afoul of an ATRT with a flamethrower. And it's, <laughs> I got to it, live the dream. Yeah, it was he did. so good. <laughs> he did, and it's like, wow, I have three squads here, and I'm like, wow, I have one squad. Oh, did you did you forget that he had a flamethrower on there? No, no. Oh, I knew because yeah, he was pinging off it. I yeah, think it was because, down to well. I was hoping, because uh, the, the, the squad I ended up running was um, just five stormtroopers, three squads of five stormtroopers with impact grenades, uh, bikes, and veers, and, and that came to 350 even, 
So it's kind of a kind of budget, no DLTs, nothing, no real special tricks or anything. But um, I, I mean, I, I think grenades are a pretty good trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so is spinning. Yeah, spinning spinning's a good trick. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. But uh, I, I basically sent two of my squads to go ah motherland and just basically <laughs> charge him. And um, I got I got like three volleys of uh, of impact grenades off, but he rolled really well. Uh, had his ATRT down to one hit point. Yeah. Uh, the broken uh, the broken condition that he ended up having was the one where you got to roll. Uh, to see whether you get one or two actions. Two actions yeah. or one action. So the best one you could get from yes. a defensive standpoint. He, yeah. got, he got two actions both times. And one time he pivoted and flamethrowered and nuked one of my squads down to like one guy. And the second time he aimed and flamethrowered and rolled like 11 hits. And I'm just like, well, that, that yeah. I, I felt the force of John's black eyes flowing <laughs> yep. through me. That's just, pretty uh, much what happened there. Um, and then by that point, the way I was maneuvering troops and everything, I didn't have it. We were doing key positions. Okay. So because that's how you're supposed to do Operation One. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so key positions. I had one trooper squad, veers, and um, a, a section of bikes left. And you can't move the bikes into base contact really with the uh, with an objective. Oh. So I kind of lost there. Um, and then he ended up chasing the rest of my guys around. He had he had a, a, a unit of. Uh, I think I had three like extra man units of right. uh, rebel troopers, Leia, and then the the flamethrower. So he had he had he had Leia and a unit of troopers on one objective. He had one unit with just two dudes left on the other objective. But because of Leia, he was able to turtle them both up, so I couldn't shoot them off the objective. Ugh, she's a and, beast. Yeah, and. You know, if you get especially into a, that points total, yeah, too. yeah, and if you get into a defensive, uh, if you get into a defensive position where you got to yeah. just sit on it between rebel troopers with Nimble and Leia handing out free dodge tokens, it was just like, well, couldn't couldn't shoot anything off. Um, and one of the things that really sucked for me is uh, I didn't maneuver Veers effectively enough to be able to get maximum firepower off. Uh, and then by the time, oh, right, yeah. you know, you're playing on a three by three mat. So I'm like, all right, turn three, here we go, maximum firepower, and everybody's at range two, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, so that didn't work out too well for me. Tactical error on my part. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but yeah. Leia, man, Leia is just. Ugh. I'm really jealous of the fact that the rebels can run a legit two commander list. And still have enough points left to run like six squads of troops and then an ATRT or two. Yeah, on I'm, top of that, yeah, I'm playing with list builder with that, and uh, you can come up with some pretty nasty combinations. Uh, but, I, I saw somebody on, on on one of the Facebook groups come up with a a list with ten activations in it, and I'm just like, <sighs> so yeah, jealous. it's it's definitely possible. Yeah, and, and there's really no way to get that. In, inside of a, a uh... I think my favorite thing about the Leia setup though is the coordinated bombardment command card where she throws the two red dice at three different and targets. then she's got sharpshooter two natively right. I didn't realize that at the yeah. time and I was yeah, like yeah. oh my god because I mean, otherwise it wouldn't do a whole lot but because uh, most things are probably going to be in cover well the, the thing I was going to ask you about with the escalation at least was because it's you know you start at 350 for your point total mm -hmm. um, are you pretty much exclusively seeing Veers and Leia, or are you still seeing some Luke and Vader? We lists? did a uh, 
There was a newer player in the store that I played last week, and okay. so he had Luke and a couple of Rebel Troopers, so I took Vader, a couple, you know, uh, Stormtroopers, and we had a good fight, but that's the only time I saw, like, the uh, Jedi hit the board, really. Okay. So. I mean, at that point, you're literally playing with what comes in the core set. Yeah. Exactly. I, very, very stripped down at that. And we we haven't played a game, or at least I haven't played a game below the 800-point level since that first core set came out. Oh, Oh really? You haven't got any escalation. No, I've only oh, been okay. playing. I've only been playing the 800 point level. So you'll, you'll me, have I'll, a treat tonight. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to be playing my first escalation game tonight. So I'll you know I'll test it out myself. But it'll be interesting because I'm, I'm going kind of back to the original you know the original plan here. <laughs> um, now for the escalation leagues, are you playing only one scenario for each point level? The uh, the way it's lined out in the packet is that you're supposed to play for uh, while you're on the three by three. Basically, mm-hmm. is you play key objectives. Well, actually, it's for all of it. But I was allowing people to play other objectives because key key positions was getting kind of boring. Uh-huh. But uh, that's what it's described in Operation One is uh, clear conditions, battle lines, uh, key positions. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll let you know how that goes tonight. You know, playing against Daniel. I'll probably again. stick around and watch because yeah, setting up to do some stuff later tonight. Yeah. Well, Daniel is the, the guy I played the first game at 800 points. Right. On our me. stream. On our stream. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So he beat me then. So we'll see if he'll, uh, if he'll beat me in the, the lower point total. Game he's too. a shark, man. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's very good. So I'm sure that'll be interesting. You know, I don't, I don't know if, uh, maybe Matt should stick with the 350 point, the point total. You, yeah, uh, that's where I'm successful, it seems, yeah. is uh, at the, the lower <laughs> point. Uh, less less things to get confused on. And, uh, although on uh, the stream last Friday, we realized somebody pointed out that, hey, we completely skipped turn five. And I was like, what? We, we, we had called the game, basically. <laughs> what? It was pretty much over. Me and Joe sure. were playing. Okay. Uh, but uh, we just... We thought we had not clicked the turn counter, and so we were like, oh, this so is you like went one, six, two, right? three, four, and six. And then we were laying out the uh, command cards next to the camera so people would see what turn we gotcha. were on. They were like, hey, you're one short. And we're uh, like, uh, actually, after I just explained to Joe how he could have like at least tied the game and gone to victory points on <laughs> me. <laughs> his dial, his turn counter dial, is actually labeled how Microsoft counts to Windows 10. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah it's like 398, uh, 95, NT7. Yeah, XP, what's XP, going on? Just yeah. uh, <laughs> 10. All right. Yeah. We're well, good there. Well, for anyone listening, now you know why we're in this part of the gaming world in Las Vegas and not the other part of the gaming world. <laughs> 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 I mean, feel like we would have been buried. Oh, in, like gambling. In, yeah, yeah, we probably okay. would have been buried yeah. in shallow graves somewhere in the desert yeah. a long time ago. Right. <laughs> Where's my money? I, I don't know. I don't have it. John, do you have it? We're not going to discuss that. Oh, I, might, okay. I might have your money. Oh, okay. Money, <laughs> Lebowski. <laughs> so uh, one of the the things that I guess I wanted to get into that I haven't talked about yet uh, with the hobby talk segment is getting into airbrushing. Now, I've either like you guys... fake tans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. Yes. Yes. Okay, let's let's uh, Jersey Shore it up. <laughs> so it depends on what shade what shade of orange you want. You know, oh. we can, you know we can go straight with the uh, you know the normal bronze color, or you can go for the Trump special. You know, oh yeah, too. no, that's uh... uh, no. But one of the things that like I guess. When I first moved out here, um, that I wanted to get into was airbrushing, and it's kind of daunting to get into at first. Oh yeah, um, it seems like there's a lot of lot of equipment you need to get it you get into to to really start with it. But there's uh, a pretty hefty uh, setup requirement sometimes, uh, depending on what you're doing. And I'll be honest, paint brushes still intimidate me. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, all of the different because they're like, well, buy this one or don't buy that one, and you know, there's there's 
some companies that make some really good ones. There's some more widely available ones that are like, oh, that's just garbage. Thin your paints, duh, this and that. And it's just like, uh, Yeah, I'm definitely not one of those snob yeah. painters when, when I get to paint. It's just right. whatever I can do to get it on the table. And like, like, I'm okay with, you know, trying new stuff when it's, you know, an $11 paintbrush, you know, a, a 650 pot of paints. But then when you're talking like a good airbrush setup is like, what three hundred dollars? No, not Something even like close. That? Not that, even close. See, this is okay. where this is where I hey, want to get this into is this. Where I, you know, like, yeah. So, John, tell us. Yeah. So, I, first, <laughs> I want to tell you the reasons why I think you should get into airbrushing. First of all, it makes priming way easier. You can do all your priming with your airbrush. You can control exactly what coat you want. Now, sometimes with you, when you get the rattle cans, mm-hmm. even some of the better ones like the Army Painter and the Games Workshop ones don't necessarily have a very consistent flow. Okay. And sometimes if you they have a tendency to run a little bit too heavy. So if you're if you're really going and coating the whole thing like top to bottom, mm-hmm. so you're not seeing any gray on it, which you know to the naked eye that's normally what you'd want to do. Right. You're actually putting too much on there. I have seen that people that do the uh, base coating or not base coating, but the uh, priming with the airbrush, it yeah. does. You can there. It's noticeably thinner and much more detail comes out. It is, and and really you don't want that layer just you you don't want that priming layer. To do anything other than just hold the paint, yeah, I mean that's really what that layer is for. Right. Did you have a question, Josh? Well, no, I don't have a question necessarily, oh, okay. but that's what I mean. That's how I basically paint my models. Is yeah. I just I've got I, I use Citadel Chaos Black Spray, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's my that's that's the priming, but it's also the 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 color the models are because I work in a base black. Um, I've oh, never so really... you're just leaving your guys just primed black and then putting and then a painting, purple and then painting the purple wow. and the uh, gray over it, Bold. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not doing, but I've never had a problem with it. It doesn't wear off. Like the Citadel paints are really, really good. (laughs) Um, The experience I've had with like the Army Painter can paints, it's terrible. I mean, it swallows all the detail. It goes on thick. So I definitely see what your and maybe it's just part of its technique as well and how you're applying the rattle cans. Right. I don't want to you know tangent too much, but there is definitely uh, light touches with it can really change. You you want you want to sweep back and forth. Right. And that's what I do. The same, but the same process that I use for the Citadel paints, where everything dries really well, it keeps all of the detail in the Mm -hmm. models. Sure, the, and, the and, Army Painter and stuff just using... goes on so much thicker. Okay, um, and, and it, it ends up swallowing details, and and you know details that are like right angles. You know, if it's a okay. raised right angle, yeah. you know, you see like a curve where the paint's just kind of dried there. Uh, it's yeah, I've never had any problems priming with Citadel rattle cans. Yeah, I, I, like I swear by them. And, but and even in, in instances where I've I think I've oversprayed and it looks thicker on the model. Yeah, by the time it's dried. It's really, really compressed, and it, it dries, so it retains all of the detail. No, for the cool. most part, they're good yeah. paints, but the yeah. Corax White, uh, a lot of times, too, I've, I've seen from a lot of different people, will actually be spotty. And if you, if you do the it... Skull you know, White? Whatever. The, no, the Corax the skull, White. Corax yeah. White, No, it's yeah. Corax oh, okay. White. It used to be right. Skull White. Though. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. The, Dating myself. No, no, no. The, the, the white that's that's available for Citadel and sometimes oh, okay. Army Just Painter. The, if you, if yeah. you use it, and depending on... like They're very, very finicky with humidity. Oh yeah, no. Um, I like think the, most... that can that can cause a huge problem with those, and they can be a little spotty. Actually, leave like a rough texture when it dries. But I mean, airbrushes too can be uh, prone to humidity problems. But they have they can like, be things but for that exactly. Right? Yeah. So the, one of the things I want to get into with, with airbrushing is because of the fact that you can do it in a more temperature controlled environment, you don't necessarily have to be outside. 
like you do with, with spraying the <laughs> yeah. uh, to set up a back rig with yeah, hoses yeah, yeah, going there. Yeah. It's not a chemical yeah. propellant like it yeah. is in the rattle can. It's just compressed yeah. air. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I mean, you should still worry about having a breathe, you know, some kind of breathing apparatus if you don't have a fan to blow out the exhaust or you're not near a window. It does help to have you know some kind of of mask on, just so you're not inhaling all of that mm-hmm. unfiltered. But all it's, the chaos coming in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But you don't have to be outside like you do with with a rattle can. So, I mean, that's one advantage of it. But one of the things that, that I want to talk about with it is being able to to get kind of seamless transitions with between colors and on larger, like, ATSTs, things like that. And I've seen a lot of, like, really well-painted ATSTs, but if you're doing the whole thing by hand, you can always kind of see the, the, mm-hmm. the brush marks. Right. No matter how much you thin your paints, it, they do tend to, to stick out there. Using an airbrush, Matt, I think I painted your two ATSTs within a week yeah yeah you knock those out really quick and yeah as you say just having the airbrush on there just provides a nice natural gradient from it, the it different does. colors yep. you can you know you can start by trying to create natural shadows and i've talked about this before with creating a zenithal highlight mm-hmm. and the zenithal highlight once again is just basically spraying from the top down and simulating natural sunlight or natural life wherever it's from and you can achieve that really easily, easily with an airbrush, just simply by using a lighter color and working your way up. And you, you know that, that you can't really do that as well with a, with a hand brush. You have to do it very lightly, and you have to do wet blending. But with an airbrush, you can do it you know a lot easier with that. Um, another really good technique for using with vehicles is creating weathering, because with weathering with an airbrush, you just you know use a brown color or you know maybe a, a darker red mix a little bit of black and you can actually go around the edges and create some of that natural do you thin that rust. like way down to do i that? do yeah yeah so and that's more than your normal pigments yep. for that kind of stuff yeah. okay so getting into the equipment you probably would need for an airbrush um really like you said you said 300 bucks i didn't pay close to that um you I, played 600 dollars <laughs> one million dollars yeah. <laughs> no um i got a, a simple air compressor okay um i got it they got it used but it was 75 bucks okay that, that sounds so, about right and, i think i can, paid 100 bucks for mine yeah so. generally yeah, 100 dollars, 125 dollars brand new yeah uh, honestly you could probably find it cheaper even than yeah. 75 dollars used i know like harbor freight and those kind of places sure. they'll, they'll carry those compressors uh, for michael's usually has those and michael's hands out well michael's have like, you been to because i was looking at michael's for airbrush stuff before and online I, I was uh, online. Okay. but they also okay. they also hand out coupons left and right yeah so. no those coupons are great yeah so you can you can very easily find a affordable air compressor that does what you need to do um but then the airbrush unit itself uh, i think you honestly that's where you spend a little bit more money mm-hmm. but you don't have to go extreme top of the line um i use an iwata and i think okay. the brands that you want to look for badger's really good iwata's really good um and there's a few other ones too that you know the like lesser known brands but those two are the, like the two big i guess industry standard ones yeah i hear badger's referred to quite a bit yeah and iwata's are really nice because i think the, the parts are a little bit more interchangeable okay um now i've never worked with a badger like i said the one i have is an iwata um, but those are those are two really good brands, and and what kind of trigger do you have on yours? Because I know that's kind of one of the different big differences between the different. Uh, yeah, brushes. so they've got the the double and single triggers. Right. Um, the one I have is double. Okay. And I've never used the single, um, but they're comparably priced. Uh, the, the one thing that I think really makes a difference is the, whether it's gravity fed or siphon fed. Okay. And I would recommend using gravity fed. Gravity fed simply means there's a little cup on top. And you just pour a little paint into the cup, 
mm-hmm. and that's where the, the you know gravity brings it into the actual airbrush itself. Easiest okay. way to do it. Now, are you using any kind of special paints, or are you just like grabbing a pot of Citadel paint and just pouring it in there? So you can do either, and okay. that's and that's kind of the reason why you know, airbrushing really is kind of nice because you can use. I have my you know standard Citadel Games Workshop paints that I use. Now they're very thick. And we've talked yeah. about this before about watering down your paints. Well, that goes doubly so for airbrushing. Oh yeah. Because with airbrushing, you know, you've got this very thin, you know, thin passage that that paint travels through, and the mm-hmm. thicker it is, it's going to block up really quickly. So. And say so you also have used the Vallejo Air stuff before I have, too. Yes. So, so that's a specialty made paint that's already thinned down, yeah, basically. Yeah. It's it's already thinned down, and you can use you know Air Vallejo Air or any of the air based paintings. You can use those for actually painting with brush too. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's just very thinned down. It's okay. specially made. So I will always use a uh, a thinner anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they the Vallejo Air Improver, Airflow Improver. Um, there's other you know other brands that are similar. Do you mix that straight in with the pigment? I do. Or? So I'll put oh, that okay. in there in the gravity feed cup first. So I'll put a oh, little, little bit of the airflow improver in the cup and then I'll pour usually about a half and half mixture with the Vallejo air. Hmm. Now if I'm using like privateer press, I might do like five parts airflow improver to one part privateer press. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it's so thick. It is. Um, Games Workshops maybe half as thick as privateer press. Um, More pigment for your dollar. Exactly, but, <laughs> like, but that's the thing. Like you, know, you think about those little those little cups and how much they cost. You know, yeah. for paint. Well, mm-hmm. you're getting so much more mileage out of one of those little cups. Right. True. Yeah. How so, much is like the airflow improver stuff? Is it? Uh, airflow improver wasn't too bad. I think it was like okay. ten dollars for a, I don't know, like an eight ounce bottle or ten ounce. Last year, pretty something. good time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, they're really like the paints don't cost any more for airbrushes than they do for you know standard hand painting. So how much? How much cleaning is there in between? Like, hey, I just, yeah, I just, that's, that's I just painted with black. Now I'm gonna, sh- I'm, now I'm gonna shoot some red on here. Uh, I, I mean, there's a mechanism there. How much cleaning yeah. do you have to do to make sure there's no residual paint in there that you're not, you or, or gonna help you and dries inside? Clean it, the right. clean it, I, I would always recommend cleaning it off and cleaning it thoroughly in order to, you know, keep your parts lasting longer. Sure. Um, between uses, I'll actually disassemble the entire thing put it in a small Tupperware, and then actually leave it with thinner. Like, leave it in, like, a half-and-half half mixture of water and thinner. So and you're really only doing, like, one color per sitting? No, no, sometimes I'll do more. So oh, what really? I'll do is I'll start with the darkest color I'm going to use. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, right now I'm working on some uh, some Blood Angels uh, Space Marines for 40K, and I started with a dark brownish-red, uh-huh. did the whole model, then worked my way up through the Zenithal highlights, but as I'm doing that... I'm using all the paint that's in there, and then, you know, throw a little more flow improver in there, then go to the next color red. So yeah. I'm still working with the same palette. Oh, and then gotcha. once I'm done okay. with all that of that, sense. then I'm going to clean it out entirely. Okay. So just how precise are you painting with a, with an airbrush? Like, are you painting the guns on a Legion model with an airbrush, or are you using a, 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 a traditional brush with that? So what are, you, I, are you painting faces? You, uh, on the troopers, I'm like, not that like, good. I, yeah, yeah, but I mean, are, are, what are you using an airbrush for that it's more advantageous to use an airbrush than it would be to use a traditional brush? So, for example, um, 
the ATST. Mm-hmm. I did that almost entirely with airbrush, and then once I got to the small metal details, did that with handbrush. Yeah, but I mean, so, that ATST model, that's something yeah. that's big, and yeah. it's flat panels. Exactly. I mean, it's, so, it's really... Well, I think he's just saying, yeah. like, for the Blood Angels, you know, being able to knock out those Marines mm-hmm. so they look real good. I and mean, that's, and that's trying for to the replicate that with stuff. a brush yeah. would be tough. Yeah, after that, I think you go to pick out details and things and like that. And that's where I use a handbrush. Okay. Uh, but you can also use masking to really isolate the places you're painting. Yep, you can, and you, and you did that with your with your models. So oh, yeah. you kind of blocked yeah. out you blocked yeah, yeah, yeah. out sections with your ATS using you know, your mm-hmm. flat segments and you can yeah. do the same thing with an airbrush as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's the same concept. But you know, as far as like you know, what percentage of a you know, trooper model what, mm-hmm. what I do airbrush, I'll do the big details. You know, okay. I'll do the priming, I'll do the the base color, I'll do the highlights, and then I'll go through and do brush work for the small details. So there's still going to be brush work involved. It's not it's not something I do entirely in lieu of doing hand brush. Okay. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. I mean, there, there yeah. are some people I've seen do, like, a ton of the detail work. With yeah, you can get pretty spot, yeah, I mean, uh, very accurate with, uh, I guess, some of the really fine tips. Yeah, and, and you can you can adjust that by, you know, getting a different tip for it, um, adjusting the PSI, mm-hmm. and then depending on how close you are with, sure. with the airbrush yeah, that, itself. That, in, that, that impacts your spread. And, yeah. Sure. I mean, anybody who's ever seen, you know, some of the, uh, the nail salons where they're doing airbrush work, they can do some incredible details right. with an airbrush. Yeah. I'm not that good yet. Have we just identified an untapped resource for painting models? <laughs> Holy true. cow, I'm going to go down and talk to Linda next week. And <laughs> yeah, if you don't want to have to, you know, commission somebody to paint your stuff, just have them, you know, pretend After I get my nails, nails did, I'm going to say, hey, how about these, uh, these Are you tired? Yeah. Are you tired of mangy feet? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I got a bunch of snow troopers over here I need painted. What do you say? But it's you know it's a it's a skill that you know you, you learn with just like you do with hand with hand painting and um, like I said I'm not that good yet but I can I've seen a drastic cut down in the amount of time it takes to paint models by using an airbrush. Yeah, I think if you're doing like large batches of models, that's mm-hmm. where the real time saving comes in, and yeah. it does look really good when you're done usually. Yeah, and like I said, I've talked about it with the uh, the stormtroopers because stormtroopers there's not nearly as many details to do, and mm-hmm. if you you know, use that wash, that uh, brush, air, airbrush and wash technique, you can knock okay. them out really fast. So just to be clear, I'm starting brand new. I'm yep. going out there. I'm looking at a compressor. Yep. A brush of some kind. Yep. You, yeah, some, looking at getting some the airbrush kind of, apparatus. Uh, does that usually come with all the pieces you need? Like yeah, the, so the if, if you were to go to, you know, go to your local hobby shop or uh-huh. look online, it, it should come with everything that, you know, you need for the airbrush itself. You'll probably need to get a hose. Yes. And the hose oh, connects yeah, that's, the compressor to the airbrush itself. That's something I had trouble with getting mine put together is they were the I had like a little testers, you know, okay. uh, air supply and then but it didn't match with the brush so I had to get an adapter online but okay. I mean, just something to be aware of. Yeah, usually you can buy when you buy the airbrush kit, usually they'll have the the hoses are nearby. What about your setup? Because uh, I know a lot of people paint with like a big cardboard box to kind of catch the extra spray. So basically, what I did is I took like a, a large, like book bag kind of thing, like a like a tote bag, grocery tote bag or something like that. Oh, okay. I cut it in half and created yeah, like basically a little, little spray area like a backdrop. Okay. Um, and I use my kitchen table. I really? Yep. Wow. I use my kitchen table. I open Old. up the window next to me. I have a fan that blows towards the window. How can you tell John's single? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my kitchen table has never been used for actually eating up. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, so if you just, you know, set it up somewhere like that, like a, a large surface where you got some area to work, um, 
near a window and you know have a fan blowing out, that's about enough air ventilation as you need. Um, however, they do make if you if you want to you know really invest in it, they do make those hoods that you can actually have it. Oh, sucks with the air a little out. yeah exhaust fan yeah. on it and whatnot. I'm not that bougie, so no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford that much of a setup. But it really that's that's all you need getting into it. Um, I would recommend getting a cleaning some kind of cleaning solvent and a, a set of pipe cleaners. Because you know some of those uh, you know narrow narrow pipes for pipe uh, cleaners, huh? Yeah, pipe cleaners okay. work really bad, work really well for that. So looking on Amazon, I mean, some of these Awada guns, just the guns are like two hundred bucks a pop. Uh, it depends which model you're looking at getting. Sure, I mean, there's a on Amazon. There's a kit that's got the compressor, a gun, a whole bunch of other stuff, the hose, and it's three hundred dollars. Okay. So that's I mean that's that when I said three hundred dollars, I wasn't yeah. talking just for the brush. I was talking for the whole setup. Oh, okay. But I'd say, I, mean, I, I hit up eBay and I got like a used uh, gun when I was just starting to play around with it. So I, I definitely saved that's, some money there. That's what I got too. I, yeah. There was a guy who I bought from who had wanted to get into auto detailing and decided that wasn't his, you know, his thing. And he only used it one time. And I got the whole setup for it. But there's tons of videos bucks. out there talking about airbrushing and getting started. So I'm sure you could go on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Get all. Yeah, well, I watched Sir Astro's painting videos. And, man, my stuff didn't end up like his at all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all about, you know, practice makes perfect. Yeah. And I'm sure Sir Astro didn't just, you know. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, what video did Sir Astro watch so he could learn? I know, it? right? <laughs> we should ask him. Right. All right, guys. Well, if you guys have any questions about airbrushing techniques, or if you want to see anything, um, just you know, hit us up on our Facebook page, and I'm you know happy to to share more techniques. But that's I guess basically a good rundown for you know how to get started with airbrushing. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back and uh, talk a little bit about the solo movie. Tune in every Wednesday to Radio Free Tatooine, a Star Wars podcast that's better than some and worse than others. Take a trip to a water cooler far, far away as we bring some casual, fun conversation into the Star Wars podcasting community. Hosted by me, Sean, my sister Amy, and John. Radio Free Tatooine. We may not know what we're talking about, but we sure know how to record it. For more, visit RadioFreeTatooine.com, a proud member of the Radio Free Tatooine Podcast Network. You're listening to the Legion Outriders podcast, a member of the Radio Free Tatooine Network, recorded on location at Power 9 Games. Whether you're looking for the latest releases from Legion, X-Wing, 40K, Magic, or any of our other extensive inventory of board and card games, head to Power9Games.com and use coupon code OUTRIDER10 to get 10% off your order. Plus, shipping is free on orders over $100. Now, back to the Outriders. And we're back with the Legion Outrider podcast with John, Josh, and Matt. Time to talk some solo. Solo. Danger. Danger. So all three of us, I trust, did go actually see it. I know Matt did because I was with him when he saw it. Yes. Josh, um, did you see it? Yeah. But seriously, guys, <laughs> we are going to be talking spoilers here. So if you have not seen the movie and you care about spoilers, please just stop right now. Just stop. And just well, go see it. Just go see it go and then the come movie. back and then yeah. pick it up. Okay? All right. Welcome back. Good. <laughs> now we've got that set, settled. All right. What did you think of the movie? Josh, let's start with you. I was whelmed. You were whelmed. Yeah. Okay. It, That's, it, it could be worse. It, uh, it wasn't whelmed. a bad movie. Yeah. Because uh, it wasn't. You're right. <laughs> but it wasn't a great movie either. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I, I tend to take a look at things not just as a, as a fan of the franchise, which obviously I am, but also from that, that, that movie-making perspective. Um, 
the the main problem I had with the movie is it was pretty much devoid of any suspense or drama. Like we know everybody makes it out alive. We know the Kessel Run is successful. We know you know because we've we've seen all of these people in later movies. There there was no suspense to anything that was going on. And I mean and obviously in like the so Last Braveheart Jedi, was really boring for you then. Yeah, like, I was really shocked at the end of Titanic. Yeah, that was. Uh, I, was I mean, upset I knew it, it was I was upset happen. at the end of Miracle that the Russians didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, but those are movies. I mean, you use those examples, and those are movies that, through the narratives and through the character development, you know, you you have guys that you cheer for, and you have guys that you cheer against. Like in in Titanic, like Billy Zane's character, you look at him, and you're like, that guy's a jerk, and I hope he dies. I hope he drowns when I know this ship is going to sink, and I hope he dies. I have a child. Yes, exactly. I have a child. <laughs> That's my favorite line. But the there movie. was, there was, <laughs> for me in Solo, there was no moments like that, and I felt that they had to resort to shock moments to try and and artificially put some drama into the movie, like when um, uh, Tandy Newton, I don't even know what her character's name, was, Val, I think it was, yeah, yeah. dies on the bridge. Yeah. It's like she said three lines. Yeah, it, this is supposed to be a shocking death because. She's obviously involved with Tobias Beckett, but because she's only said three lines over two minutes in the entire course of the movie to this point, I don't care that she just dies. See, but I don't she think, makes I mean, this heroic I don't think sacrifice because you, you don't get timed. I don't think that's the. I think the only purpose of having her there purpose. was really just to reflect Beckett's relationship with her and maybe develop or like show how he's had this. You know, kind of only trust yourself, don't trust anyone else, don't be attached to people. And it opened up a spot for. Han and Chewie to be closer to Tobias instead of these other forces working against them, like Val. But anyway, we'll continue. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, and, and, you know, L3 getting fragged was kind of the same thing. You know, they allude a little bit to, you know, and you start to connect with L3 and then other oh, dead. You know, it's not like Rogue One where you see all of this character development as, as the movie goes on, where Jin Erso goes from not giving a flip to I'm going to lead this thing now. You know, so at the end, when when yeah. when she dies, it's like, oh, man, no, wait, what? Uh, it's 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 there's not enough development of the characters to warrant that kind of a reaction that the that the the filmmakers are actually going for. And I think Ron Howard was put in a really tough place. Um, I, I actually put a lot of this at the at, at the hands of, of Lawrence and Jonathan Kasdan, the, the writers of this movie. Because it doesn't sound like when they fired um, Phil Lord and Chris Miller that there was a, any extensive rewrites of the movie. No. It, it was more on how Lord and Miller were were trying to handle that that screenplay rather than the problem with the, was with the screenplay it just wasn't a good screenplay i think uh ron howard has come out and said that there wasn't a problem with the screenplay like the script was solid it was the directing that was giving the issues prior sure to and, 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 and yes they, they they were taking a directorial approach towards the material that they had in front of them that was uh, from reports, slapstick and a little Keystone bit too cops, funny, yeah. and, and very Lego Movie, which is something that Lorne and Miller directed, and they, they did great ah. with the Lego Movie. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, and they were trying to make a Star Wars Lego Movie essentially. Um, but I, I, the the way that the story progressed, I, like 
throughout the entire Kessel Run sequence, I'm just like, all right, well, when do they get out of here? You know, it's like, you know that they're going to do it. And, and the way that they tried to inject drama into it just didn't, okay. it, it didn't resonate with me. So you were wound. Okay. Okay. Josh. Or, no, that's sorry, Matt. Matt. That's Matt. Josh. Yeah. Yeah. Matt. Hello. What was, what was your thought on it? Because I, I feel like you took a different perspective. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I got to see the movie twice now. I'll probably go see it a third time. So uh, I could say that I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's probably one of my favorites of the new movie crops and definitely pretty high up there for my overall. But um, Were you above whelmed? Yes, I was. I was. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised by it because I think we've uh, spent the last couple of weeks since we've been uh, doing the podcast. You know, we're kind of like, uh, I feel if you go back in time, because uh, I remember doing this, is like, uh, I guess we'll see when it comes out. You know, and then slowly trailers and stuff come. It's like, oh, okay, it looks okay. You know, I'm I'm willing to be, you know, give it a chance. And uh, definitely, I was I was pretty well blown away by it. Uh, there was some minor quibbles I had with it here and there, but overall. Uh, had a blast. Really fun. See, I, I thought it was an enjoyable movie, too. Yeah. I saw only saw it one time, and I guess because I had seen it just, you know, Tuesday, Yeah, I, I kind of saw the initial critical, you know, acclaim for it out of Cannes, and then it was kind of a backlash when the yeah. opening weekend came out, and then you're hearing all this, oh, you know, it, it hardly, you know, did anything in the box office, and it was a disappointment, and you know, granted, these newspapers try to be hyperbolic with how they describe, you know, the sure. success or failure of a movie. It's either the you know the biggest film of all time or it's the most catastrophic failure. No, so, I think they were. Uh, I was reading a little article on this beforehand, and they were saying it's about the same opening as like Justice League had. Okay, and that's so not huge by Disney or Star Wars standards at all, but not horrible. You know, the problem that they had with the movie is it completely bombed in China. Oh like, well, like, I mean, like, but. Like, there's a lot of discussion going on right now it, if they're even going to make up their budget yeah. for the movie. Well, oh, no, when, when, when absolutely. You, when you, well, absolutely. Well, well, I mean, it opened to a weekend of $100 million. Production, because of the delays, production budget was $250 million. Okay. Then you add in the advertising and everything like this, sure. and they're talking, the talk is, is that this is going to be, on the whole, uh, a net loss for, hmm. for Lucasfilm. So, and for Disney. I guess so, we'll see if it stays in the theater more right. than a couple of weeks, which I think it will. I think word of mouth is getting out. That I, it's I haven't, heard, I haven't yeah. heard a lot of negative things from people who've seen the movie. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people who've seen the movie enjoy it. They, you know, yeah. they maybe not be blown away by it, but it's an enjoyable I, film. I think yours is the worst opinion I've heard, and I've heard it from exactly two people that were like, eh, it was okay. I, I, and I, I think the big thing that I've struggled with is, one and I know you're going to give me stick about this. It's like the character of Han Solo, there's a lot of people that have like a love affair with this character. Yes. It's hello. a solid character. Yes. Hi there. Yeah. You're right, right? Yeah, I've too. never yeah. looked at Han Solo and went, man, I want to be just like that guy. Right? How so, are you living your who, life, sir? Who did, That's you, just who did you want to be in uh, Star Wars, though? You want to be Dengar. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be a walking scab you know. of a human being. <laughs> so... If you didn't go into the movie uh, wanting, already loving Han Solo, there wasn't much about the character that they showed that really made you want to love him more. But the the thing that I have is that you know maybe we, not you definitely did for me. Okay, I'll, I'm going to yeah, counterpoint that yeah, in a minute. I'm let you yeah. finish. Uh, um, thanks, Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you I'm finish. Let you finish <laughs> but but Solo was the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. Uh, <laughs> <not true>. Wow. <laughs> 
This is where you run into the problem where you have, and this is the problem with Disney going and ejecting all of the old EU. Mm-hmm. Because, not. but wait, but wait, let me finish. Okay. Because I have in my head, mm-hmm. because I've gone and read all of the Han Solo books and all of this. Yes. Uh, and, and I know, like, the retcon of exactly the Kessel Run and the history of the Kessel Run and mm-hmm. why the Kessel Run was a big deal as a navigational feat. Yeah. When they go and get rid of all of that and go, well, here's a different story. But they did. Then it's, but they did. But they did. So. What that ends up is it doesn't live up to my expectation of what I've always imagined it in my head of Han meeting Chewie for the first time and rescuing him from Imperial captivity. Like them having a, a gladiator brawl in the bottom of the thing. In which he meets Chewie and rescues him from Imperial captivity. But it wasn't <laughs> exactly <laughs> the way they wrote it 25 years ago. Right, but when, when you live with something for that long, it, it becomes the truth. Cognitive okay. dissonance, right? yes. Well, let me, let me give the counterpoint for this. I... I'm a Star Wars fan. However, I, you know, I'm a little bit late for a lot of the EU stuff. Sure. So, I mean, I, I grew up with the movies. I grew up with the video games. I didn't get a whole lot into the, the you know, real, real fine details of the expanded universe. Um, I knew about the Kessel Run. I knew about him rescuing Chewie, but I didn't know a lot of the details about it. So, I, I kind of went into this as, you know, let's see what they're going to tell as the story for this. And I really enjoyed the story. I think they kept many of the major beats of his original story mm-hmm. outside of him. Uh, as I recall in the books, he was like part of like a minor noble family. Like the Solos were a known family. Okay. So that he w- that was kind of invented in the movie. That kind of stuck out to me. I was like, eh, did they need to? Probably not, but whatever. Uh, he goes to the Academy. He leaves for whatever reason. He does the Kessel Run. It's a navigational feat, not a speed feat. Uh, These are all things that have been established in his backstory. And I've I've had this talk before with other people that, oh, they're just crapping away all the EU and there was some good stuff. They're not. They basically wiped the slate clean, said, okay, none of it's part of the ongoing canon right now, except when we bring it in. And guess what? That that allows them to go back in time and say, okay, this stuff worked. You know, Thrawn worked. All these other Mm -hmm. things worked. Uh, and we're going to bring it in, and we're making it canon again. And, and that's the thing. And, and that's what I look at. I, to me, the way like they they shoved everything aside mm-hmm. and then brought Thrawn back in. Yeah. The way they did it worked for the character. It was more true to the old stories that I felt. Okay. And then when I looked at Solo and the way that they they kind of reintroduced him, it, it didn't. It it just didn't fit for me. Uh, and one of the things that bugs me probably the second most about this is it basically if you go from episode four, episode four mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that character development inside episode four and then that character development from four through the end of six okay at the beginning of four he's just this guy he's out for himself money 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 screw your rebellion forget all of this mm-hmm. right i got my stuff and i'm leaving because i gotta save my own skin good luck blowing that thing up i don't care about your politics but he cared. did he did. But he didn't. He did. He came back. And that's what they establish in this movie is that underneath it all, he becomes jaded. He becomes, you know, very closed off. But he was the guy that wanted to be on the team, you know. Yeah. But but so so but in the course of that arc, just just looking at four on its own. Uh-huh. Okay. As an independent film. Uh-huh. Okay. He didn't care about anything. And now he cares a little bit. At least he cared enough to come back at the end, sure. right? To risk okay. everything. Yeah. yeah. But then, then when you go through from four to six, 
you know, in, in five, he's kind of wavering because he's like, all right, yeah, I'm out of here. I got my money. You guys are good. Now I'm leaving, right? He's still that guy. He's still that guy. Okay. Okay. It, 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 he's, he's on the fence. Okay. Right. To refresh the ep- the events of episode five, the only reason he was leaving then, because he had basically become a full part of the rebellion at that point, was because of the bounty hunters they ran, ran into in Ord Mantell. So he was going to go pay off his debt and probably come back. He didn't want to leave. He was putting off as long as possible because he had developed relations with these people. He wanted to be on the team. Solo is almost an ironic name for him, basically, yeah. at this point. Uh, you see, you see yeah. a lot of you see a lot of character development. You see his attitude changing throughout the, the character story arc, like right. from what you see in the beginning, where he's kind of like this Aladdin type, you know, street urchin who you know is just basically in love with this girl, and then he goes from that, and then he kind of realizes like, oh wow, okay, so this is happening with her, and then he realizes like, at the end when she takes off with the ship. It's like, okay, you know what? Maybe Beckett was right. Maybe I don't need to be trusting everybody. Maybe it's just me out for myself. But and I think his initial instinct is to, you know, find those people. And he wants to do that. And Sure, absolutely. But, you know, these series of betray- uh, betrayals that he goes through, exactly. which are absolutely pivotal for his character later on, uh, I mean, they, they change him fundamentally. But at his core, he's the good guy, as they say. And see, I think this is where... I'm, I disagree with you about this movie not having any kind of shock to it. Because, yes, the Kessel Run, we knew about that. Him getting, you know, the Millennium Falcon from Lando, we knew about that. Yeah. We knew that he and Chewie and Lando are all going to survive. None of those things are big surprises. But the way that they introduced Beckett and, uh, was it Kiara? Is that Kira. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the way that their, you know, their stories intertwined with his and how he learned lessons from them about trust and about, you know, working, you know, for and a about gunslinging cause. and about gunslinging. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I thought all of those things were great because we didn't know anything about those characters going into it. And I, I'm not gonna lie, the twist at the end with, with Kira not actually being, you know, just the, you know, slave wife of, uh, of one of the guy's name was, I can't remember his name. Uh, the Scarface guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Paul Bettany. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Without, you know, her not just being, you know, some subservient slave wife, but her actually being this, you know. Opportunist, a survivor. Exactly. Like, that really, I think, played well into the development of Solo himself. Going back to finish my previous point before you guys interjected. Okay. So, in four. It, you find it, in Solo now you find out that he was just that nice guy all along. Mm-hmm. He was that guy that wanted to help all along. Mm-hmm. But it takes that character development in four mm-hmm. and basically it, it, it eliminates it. No. There was no character development because he wasn't he was he was that guy all along. If you go and watch Solo, then watch Episode Four, you're like, why is this guy such a jerk? Because uh, he had created these defenses, you know. But he also he also went through. What probably ten years of working as a smuggler with Chewie, where he probably wasn't, you know, working for a greater cause. But so he kind of had to work his way back into it. But but it sowed the seeds for him, you know, his true character, his true nature. Yeah. But if I'm a terrible, if I start at terrible person and I end at good person, it's less impactful if I started at good person, became terrible, and then was redeemed. Not necessarily. Uh, Okay, I mean, difference well, what's of opinion, the quote? That's fine, what is what is but... better to be naturally good or to be evil, and then through works and actions become good? 
was at the end of Parthenax in Skyrim that uh, goes on that speech. But uh, oh, is it okay? Yeah, I, I, I thought you were going to go with like you know Plato or Aristotle no, or Socrates, uh, but you know, no video Parthenax, games. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Through great, yeah, Mount Rushmore through great effort overcome your natural instincts for evil. Yeah, but uh, I, I have no problem with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, uh, I thought, but. Overall, I, I love that uh, we finally got to inhabit a, a newer Star Wars movie that uh, took place in a time with uh, characters and names and places that, you know, resonate with me. Exactly. You know, just them talking about, oh, we should have brought Bosk for this. You know, who are these guys? <laughs> like, sure. I know that guy. I get you that know? reference. Yeah. But I feel like they're... The, 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 thank you for the, killing the, Laura the, Singh, by the, the way. The, the yeah. Terrace Kasai yeah. reference was amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah, get that, yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, yeah, Terrace Kasi. It's like, that was like the worst Star Wars game ever. I mean, you could... That's almost E.T. bad yeah, as a video I remember game. remember that The fact one. that they threw that in there I'm like oh god well it became a big part of the canon sure I'm not sure how prevalent was uh, previous to that if it was even a thing but they decided Star Wars needs a martial art but it's definitely shown up since then and now it is officially canon again so that's great so let's get to the other big reveal from the movie uh, Darth Maul Uh, actually that was Maul not Darth yeah he was no longer a Sith apprentice at that point oh okay just Maul just Maul Maul. but he made an appearance what yeah. did you guys think about when you saw that? Not surprising, considering, I mean, if you watch Rebels or anything like that, I mean, he's definitely alive during that timeline. And he so, was working with criminal syndicates, right. so it makes so perfect sense. The fact that he was the actual head of Crimson Dawn doesn't surprise me. Um, it was cool, though. I mean, uh, I wasn't expecting that, but as soon as I heard the voice and saw the hologram, I was like, oh, my God. I was pretty yeah. blown away by it. Yeah. it. It wouldn't have been a bad idea to maybe instead of have Kira working for Darth Maul as the head of Crimson Dawn, but have her be an infiltrator with Black Sun and having that being Prince Shizor. Like, oh, that'd be cool. That would have been a I, – I think that would have been a more thema- – a, a better twist that – that would have been more fan servicey, admittedly. Like I would have yeah, gotten that. Yeah, I think there's a lot you know, of information. And there I'd have been the only person in the theater the who would have gotten like, person. that's yeah. Prince Shizor. Yeah. Like, and everybody else would go, huh? But I mean, for people that don't watch Rebels, that don't didn't watch the Clone Wars, everybody was like, I thought that dude got caught in half. Yeah. Uh, so there was a lot of like, why is he there? I I I, I heard people after I went, no way in the theater. Uh, you kept a poker face very well. I was watching for that reaction out yeah. of the side of my eyes, and you were just kind of very stoically watching. Somebody spoiled like, huh. it for me. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, I had heard about that. And I was like, are you serious right now? Why are you telling me this? I, I so avoided I all spoilers, but I saw it Friday night. Okay. So Cut um, them in half, kick them down a mine shaft. <laughs> right? Um, but, yeah, I mean, everybody, other people were like, and even going out of the theater, people were like, why was Maul, Darth Maul in this? Yeah. Like, they didn't understand. Because he's a relevant character for this timeline. <laughs> but they don't know that because they didn't watch five seasons of The Clone Wars and four seasons of Rebels. So They should. Well, well that's their fault, yeah. yes. They're bad Star Wars fans. So, uh, any so. other good catches from the movie? Um, honestly, I thought the uh, the reference with you know, the, the ongoing dialogue and you know interaction between Lando and Han was great. Oh yeah. I thought that was one oh, of the uh, best points of the He movie. was gambling with his VCX 100. Yeah. VCX 100. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I leaned over and I'm like that's the ghost. Yeah. Yeah, or the kind of ship the, the ghost is. Yeah, the, the, the ship model. The fact that Donald the... Glover called him Han yeah. the yes. entire movie <laughs> yes. I thought was good too. Like they did good with they did great with the little things. Yeah. Like the fan servicey stuff in there was top oh, notch. My, my yeah, I think my favorite thing that I finally connected uh, 
was the whole after they landed and they're like, hey, I just did the Kessel run to 12 parsecs. Yeah. And then <laughs> Chewie's like, he's like, if you round down, yeah. which makes sense in The Force Awakened when Ray's like, hey, you did, this is a ship that did the Kessel run to 13 parsecs. He's like, 12. You know? and, and then he's yeah, defending but, his asterisk. But then, but then Chewie was like, <laughs> in the background at that moment, too. Oh, so man. that's that's a neat little. The only fan service quibble that I'd that I'd have is that Sabacc is a much higher technology game than what they were playing in in their little backwater okay. games. Um, because you actually this fictional are, game that doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when we're talking in the canon, and it's in the canon section of Wikipedia, so it counts. Um, <laughs> the, well, the, the, the cards now. the cards are almost holographic. Okay, and there's. They're the, just the, that good. They look like regular the randomness cards. in the game comes into the fact that yes, you're getting dealt cards, but also after all of the cards are dealt and the last hands are played or the last bets are made, there's a shift, and the cards all change values except for one card that you can put in what's called the interference field, and that it doesn't change. So, holy cow! I, I, I so know, I, I know, and, know. And, and that's a, wow. that's yeah, I know that's a deep dive, deep dive, cool. but if you're gonna. If you're gonna, so is this static? Is this what's going on? <laughs> but if you're gonna throw, if you're gonna throw fan service in there, you got to do it right. I guess. Me. I mean, I, I thought from the you know filthy casual point of view, I thought sure. it was it was pretty cool that they had like you know kind of this like Wild West kind of you know oh yeah dirty Wild West Star Wars is it. my favorite sure. Star Wars yeah and that's on, you know, on, the, on the tropical planet. Which, yeah, well, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. I just, but either way, it's it still it, it kind of recreated that you know that underground you know speakeasy kind of vibe. You know, the you get like rounders or you know lock, right. stock, two smoking barrels. You get yeah. you know that that really kind of outlaw feel to it. And for the love of God, can you stop giving us awesome droids right. and then keep <laughs> fragging them, please? Lee was woke. <laughs> Yes, she was. Yeah, <laughs> yes, she was. I heard you busting up to her lines. Oh, I was more laughing my butt off. Like, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Like L three got all the all of the laugh lines in in the movie. Got the, the showing that I was in too. Cast your yeah. restraining bolts aside. Yeah. Like, yeah, all yeah, you yeah. have to lose is your restraining bolts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now that everybody's making a big deal about Lando being pansexual based off of his, oh god, like what's he doing? That, with that the one ship? article on Tumblr you read, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's he doing with the ship now that L3's in it? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, just, actually, the guys over at Radio Free Tattooing were talking about this very thing. Like, why would they? he gamble with his ship knowing that L3 is in it? I know. Because oh, he yeah. thought it was a sure thing. He right. thought he still had his cheat card, and he thought it was 100%. And it makes sense, you know, all those years later. What do you do with my ship? You know, what do you Your do to ship. it? Yeah, 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 exactly. But also, so. why would you continue to gamble against somebody who's clearly betting things they don't actually own? <laughs> well, they never, never really got yeah, a chance if I were, to if call I were, his bluff. If, if I were so. Lando, I'd have been like, well, you know what? Like, we're not going to count this as a push because you already owe me a ship. So, wow. you know what? I'm not going to pay you this ship. Maybe they had to force the issue a little bit just to get him. Regardless oh, of whether or not he had cheated the first time. <laughs> well, since we, you know, kind of beat, you know, this movie you know, topic to death, let's uh, talk about something somewhat Legion related. What kind of Legion units do you see possibly coming out of this movie? Well, obviously the mud troopers. I mean, those were the guys uh, you saw doing the most fighting. Yeah. Um, I don't like it. What's I don't that? agree with it, but I accept it. The mud troopers? Oh yeah. Oh, I loved it. Imagine- I'm, I'm not looking forward to another core set. We've already got two that are vying for slots. So having a third one and keeping the balance, I think, would be really tough. I mean, we're we're talking somewhere down the road, but I think it'd be cool to okay. have you know a cheap, 
like a dirt cheap because if you're talking like 44 points for a unit of stormtroopers, I'm thinking like 30 points right. for and, a unit of mud troopers. And these are like the I Imperial guess. Army, just white dice for everything. And right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, something something that's good at you know your your Imperial your your 40k. <laughs> Uh, Your Imperial empire guard. needs you. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. You know, finally a reason. Dude, to put having my commissar those, hat on Vader. That, that <laughs> scene with ATS, he's like leaping over trenches and just. Awesome. Tr- oh man, I, I could have done for another five minutes. Of and that. whatever kind of AT, whatever that was, because yeah. it wasn't an ATST. Yeah, you're it, probably right. It was right. a heavy yeah. barrage yep. kind of thing, but it was a lot more squatty. Mm. Than, than an well, there ATSD. we go. No, more Imperial vehicles. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I'd like to see that vehicle, maybe. Um, the, the the dudes on the Conveyx train. Oh, the range eh, troopers. Yeah, the yeah. range troopers, yeah. 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 I, I, I call them the pimp troopers because of the way they're dressed. Yeah, they're the fur line. Yeah, they got yeah. the fur line, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, yeah, okay, it was just like another kind of stormtrooper with special boots. Man, eh, whatever. I, I thought it opened up a ton of possibilities for oh, a third yeah. faction, talking about like the scum and villainy. Sure, yeah. Like, there's a ton of room to work with that because yeah. we The saw great a lot thing of about this franchise in general is their uh, predictability in wanting to push things out to, uh, like, action figure lines. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so there's always going to be new dudes coming out that uh, uh, Fancy Flight can pull from. So, so who's going to be the lonely General Hux character on the on the toy shelves then from this movie? Because you know, oh, no. General Hux, there's like you go to Target and like <laughs> no all the fin, all the Finns and Poe Dameron's and Kylo Ren's are gone, <laughs> and there's like thirty General Huxes yeah, on the shelf. The the Toys R Us is closing across the street from us, and they still have quite a well. They have a lot of Star Wars stuff that's like 50% off, and Holly's just been, my, my wife's been buying it, and it's like, oh, good, we've got the Akbar First Order Officer pack from Less Jedi. I Wait a minute. Didn't a- know we Admiral needed Akbar? this. Admiral Akbar? I hear yes. he's... You have an Admiral Akbar? Okay, well, I, I, I hear oh, he's... Oh, I mean, they're cheap. I, they had shelves of them, Oh, so. nice. You know, for those five Rose figures, I know John needs one. Oh, yeah. Because he's a, the biggest Rose fan. Are they voodoo dolls? Scatter People train. love to hate her. So, before we, you know, start wrapping this up, I, I want to get into the most important question from the solo movie. And where the hell was Thurm Scissors Punch? He was in there. I looked where? for him on the second I time. He, he, I think he was just a background dude. Yeah, like, in, there, in there that was a first couple game. Of, did uh, he have the tentacle yeah, mouth yeah, guy? Yeah, okay. well, we saw like an eye stalk and a claw. Yeah. Um, was, was he in the, the Sabat game? Yeah, he was in the first Sabat game. He was kind of. Yeah, they do that kind of that that slow push in yeah. uh, shot as Hans walking up. But all eyes were on Lando. So yeah, that's, that's all, all eyes are on Lando, and you can kind of see him a little bit off to Lando's left, screen right, and then the next shot after that push in, if I'm remembering it correctly, there's a, a a shot from screen left towards screen right that's more of a profile shot of of Lando, and you can see Therm scissor punch in the background because I remember going Therm, <laughs> so he's in there. You got to look. Him. He's kind of background dressing, um, but yeah, Therm scissor punch. He's what, in the movie. Wow. When is Therm getting his own? You know, no, side I, I want to know. He's the next operative. Yeah, yeah he, oh, he's, he's the first rebel operative. Yeah. Therm scissor Give punch. Give him the clamps. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I want to get the uh, first five volumes of the Calrissian Chronicles. Honestly, I want to learn more about about what his deal is. Like, cause... where did he get all those capes? And was that? <laughs> I think that was that uh, Kiro was trying on was like his his empire cape. It was the blue and the gold. Oh, was, oh, was it? it? Yeah, I, I think that. so. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go back and double check. But uh, it's one of those movies where I'm going to have to watch it several times to pick up all. Yeah. There's, oh, there's a lot of. Well, I, I guess there were a bunch of throw. There were a bunch of callouts there to like Knights of the Old Republic. Really, the video games? Well, yeah, there was some, that. or or, or and, and some of the older comics that had like Exar Kun. Uh, hmm. And stuff like that. There was a set of Mandalorian battle armor. I saw that uh, in yeah. the background in 
um, Dryden Voss. I think that's what Dryden Voss. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, the 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 set of disguise armor that Lando uses in yeah, Return of the Jedi. That, yeah, it's yeah, like, oh, it's he's already got that. Armor. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> he's I, just I a clothes horse. He just collects. <laughs> right. Um, so there were a lot of side references that yeah. were that were there. Um, I think so, it shows yeah. a good attention to detail. Yeah, it part. does. It does. Well, guys, I think it's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, do you have anything else you want to bring up? Hey, thanks for bearing with us on this kind of tangent for non-Legion stuff, but uh, yeah. just as Star Wars fans, I, that was that was fun. I didn't hate the movie. Don't tell Yay. me how much you didn't like me ranting about it, please. Yay. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> All right, folks, that's our show for this week. Just want to remind you that the Legion Outrider podcast is brought to you by the Radio Free Tatooine Network, a podcast network that's better than some and worse than others. To see the full lineup of shows, head to RadioFreeTatooine.com. See you next week, Outriders. You've been listening to the Legion Outriders podcast, a member of the Radio Free Tatooine Network. For more from The Outriders, make sure you like us on Twitter at Legion Outriders, subscribe to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Legion Outriders, and make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for listening. You're all clear, kid. Now let's go.